grab your wallets, we're going to the shops. It's episode 9 of Tales from a Homeworker. Welcome back, everybody. It's episode nine of Tales from a Homeworker. Thank you for uh, listening. Thank you for following. Um, <laughs> not everybody does, let's be honest. Um, so what are we going to talk about this week? It's been a bit of a... It's been a big week for me, I suppose, but it's also been a bit of a quiet week in some respects. Um, this week, I became a published author. Little round of applause there. Whereas I, I play my little app that, that played the applause, but I don't have it to hand. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's, that's people cheering my name. Um, yeah, so I've been writing for a, for a few years now, and and never really did anything with it. I kept it for my own purposes, just wrote it for my own enjoyment, maybe shared it with a, with a friend or two. Um, who finally persuaded me to to collate these things together because they really enjoyed them and if, and if they really enjoyed them maybe other people would as well. So as it turns out, I went I went through everything that had that had written and it turned out I had sixty of these these little treasures. Some very very short, some are like you know four three four lines, uh, and some are like full pages. I, I haven't got any particular sort of method or way of doing this it's just kind of whatever jumps into my head I'll, I'll write it down some of it rhymes some of it doesn't it's poetry it doesn't need to rhyme does it that's what was it taught you in school you don't you don't need to rhyme poetry so some of it does some of it doesn't it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag I've collated it all together and i've put it out there into the world and uh, titled wolfstack poetry and words uh, so if you go into Amazon, uh, you can find it on there. Just just search for Wolfstag and you can get it on your Kindles. You can get it uh, as a paperback copy as well. If you're if you're old school and you like a proper printed book, you can you can get it that way. Um, so please do you know fill your boots, have a look, tell me what you think. You know, um, give us your your feedback and your comments. Um, it's the joy these days. You can with with Amazon, you can you can self publish anybody that can string a sentence together or not. Uh, can 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 write something and, and put it out there. I suppose the um, the real test is whether anybody actually buys the thing. We'll see. We'll see. It's there out there anyway. It didn't cost me anything to do it. So you know, enjoy yourselves. If you like it, I might do some more in the future. Once I finish the book, I'm writing a book. Actually, I've been writing this thing for God. It feels like years now, and I keep changing the the story, and I keep changing the characters and all sorts. But I finally, finally, truly this time settled on where I want to take it and it feels good because I'm following a path and I'm writing it and I'm a good few chapters into it now so hopefully later on this year that'll be another little uh, thing I can put out there and again if you if you like a bit of a, a thriller a bit of an adventure story then that's that's the path that I've taken with this um so yeah so so there was so there was that for me this week how's your week been Before we really get into today's show, I've, I've really got to give a big shout out. Um, you'll have heard on last week's show, I talked about the desperate, dire straits that um, Chester Zoo had found themselves in with, with not being able to, to open. Um, and they were asking for 
uh, for donations to keep the zoo going, to keep the you know to keep the animals fed, keep them cared for, and it, it was looking really quite grim for them. But the amazing news within within a, a day of me talking about it on the pod, podcast, uh, they were allowed to open again, and on Monday this week, the doors opened again properly for the first time since lockdown, and it is amazing that that's happened. They do such amazing work there. The, the you know that the people who work there absolutely love what they do and they, they so love the animals that that are in the zoo and they do amazing amazing work for conservation and in this day and age where there's there's a lot of these animals that's on the the, the verge of becoming extinct you know which would be absolutely heartbreaking that you know if they can do anything to to change that reverse it you know and keep some of these amazing species alive then more power to them um, I tried to book tickets. I wanted to go, but I'm a I'm an annual member uh, at, at the zoo. Um, but the, the site crashed. I couldn't get near it. So I'm hoping to book soon. So um, I'm, okay, I'll I'll hopefully see some of you uh, around the zoo at some point. That'd be amazing if if you're there. Uh, you never know. One day I might even record a segment from the zoo right by the elephants or something like that. It'd be brilliant. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely made my day. And when I'd had a bit of a, a, a week where I was feeling quite low and quite down to get the news that they were back. Now, not everything's perfect yet. Not everything's hunky-dory. They still need a lot of help. They still need, still need a lot of assistance. So if you can still, you know, donate or adopt an animal or buy a membership, whatever it is, you know, or just go and visit, do it. You know, it's it's our input is still vitally, vitally important to make sure that they survive, you know, beyond... Uh, beyond what's going on now um but yeah so if you can get there if you can get there get there and like i say in a, in a week that had been really um a bit of an up downy week for me it was exactly the news that i wanted to hear and completely lifted my spirits so yeah a big shout out a big cheer to chester zero and long may they continue So for all of you working from home at the moment, and I guess this is who this is geared to really, uh, whether you're working from home, whether you've been furloughed and you'll be going back soon, I had a weird experience this week. I've been back into our office and it was properly weird. Place is deserted. It kind of looks like, you imagine if there was like a massive evacuation. And to a degree, I suppose that's exactly what's happened. But you can imagine if sort of like, you know, everybody in in the UK just sort of grabbed the little bits they could get, jumped into a car or jumped into a boat and just vacated the island completely. Um, we'd be left with this sort of ghost town thing going on. And that's what it was like going into the office this week. We went in because we we're going to be doing some um, live recording, trying to engage uh, young people uh, by the great power of the internet. So we've got cameras and lights, and they've, they've turned one of the they've turned the boardroom into a studio, and it's fab. We're going to do some stuff there. It's going to be some good stuff going on. Um, but the rest of the place just like this: this chairs stacked, and it's it's eerie, and it's weird. And I'm wondering whether everybody else out there are you, you know, are you are you ready to go back to work yet? Are you enjoying working from home and doing your thing here? Have you realised now that actually this is better? 
And to be honest with you, I'm feeling a little bit like that at the moment. Is I'm getting a lot of stuff done. Um, it's it's nice. It's comfortable. Uh, you haven't got disturbances. Um, the tea and the biscuits are better. I think I've mentioned that. Certainly, my waistline recognises that. Um, yeah, but it was really, really weird. Yeah, went went into uh, went in our office, went through the front doors. There was a little table there with some hand sanitizer, some gel, and gelled myself up. I don't know about you, but I used to do that beforehand. But I just like the smell of the stuff. To be honest with you, it's a little bit of a break in the day, isn't it? When you get a little hit of that sort of like weird sort of alcohol thing going on, I'm coming across as a right alky here, aren't I? I'm really not at all. But it's just that sanitizer stuff is a lovely, lovely smell. So you sanitise yourself up, and then uh, we've got two floors downstairs was completely empty, completely deserted, um, which is which is very weird. But I'm based upstairs, so we went upstairs. Um, and apart from this one room that was set up, everywhere I sit, my desk, which usually got all my stuff laid out, nothing, no lights on, no atmosphere. No life. And that's the one thing that we're going to have to, when we go back into work, we're going to have to return the life into into these places. And I'm sure within, you know, within the day, you know, you know, when that day comes where, right, it's Monday, you're going back into, you're going back into work, your offices, your shops, you know, you, you know, wherever you might operate out of, you know, it's just, it's finding your feet again. And it's going to be strange and it's going to feel like it's a little bit of a, a learning curve again for a lot of us, how we, how we interact with our colleagues, the things that we do, combine that with with the changes that we're going to have to um, adopt as part now of living in a. Is it even going to be a post-COVID world? I don't think it's ever going to be post-COVID. I think this this disease, in its current form and in future mutated forms of it, it's going to be around for a while. And until they can come up with some all-encompassing vaccine or cure uh, that can knock it all out of the park we're now going to have to be much more careful about what we do you know the, the cutlery that we use the plates and cups and saucers that we use going to the toilets you know having team meetings all this stuff that we didn't even think about before just wasn't a consideration the world's just been tipped completely on its head and, and to a degree, those sort of changes we, we're not having to, to deal with in our homes because we're either living alone or we're living with other people. And you're kind of like, well, if you're with them anyway, you're kind of, you know, you're sharing that space and that's, and that's cool. But you, you're essentially going to be going and sharing spaces with, with strangers again. Um, so it's going to be an adjustment, isn't it? And we'll get through it. We will. You know, we always do get through these things. We, we, we battle on. You know, we find our ways, and I'm sure, you know, we've done it in the past, we'll do it again. But it is going to be a period of adjustment. But yeah, got to be honest, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of digging this working from home thing. So the shops are open again. Hooray, I hear some of you cry. Not me personally. Um, I can think of better things to do with my time than being stood outside a shop for hours on end, going, waiting to buy things I don't need with money I haven't got, never to be used. Uh, but hey, that's me just getting on my soapbox. But do you see them on the telly? They were, they were, I was watching the TV report when the shops opened on Monday, and they were queuing 
outside Primark. Primarni, of all places. I'm not knocking it. This is I'm not here to advertise or knock anybody at all. But there was they were queued outside Primark for hours. And there's just one woman. I've been waiting for weeks for this. I've been in lockdown 12 weeks, and the thought of getting back in here has been the only thing that's kept me going. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> I was going to say you need to get out more, but we haven't been able to do that. But come on, get a grip, get a life. I was, uh, me and my good lady friend, Karen, hello there, uh, were, we, we'd driven uh, around the Wirral because we thought we'd go for some nice little walks. We went to West Kirby, we went to Liso, and it's lovely. Uh, we went around there and we thought we'll take the, oh, we went to West Kirby, had chips. Mm. Um, but we, um, we come back. Um, via Birkenhead, taking a long way around rather than jumping on a motorway uh, or going directly back with all that. Let's let's take a little bit of a detour around. Um, and we stopped at this uh, retail park, which is just by the entrance to the Mersey Tunnel. For those of you that, that know it, it's got all sorts of shops and bits and pieces there. And we were going to nip into, into one of the shops there because it, we needed something. But as we drove in, there was a massive chain, a snake of cars that circled the entire car park. And these things were going nowhere. They were just sat there. And I followed this snake of cars around with my eye and realised they were all leading to the McDonald's drive through They were sat waiting hours. There was a guy there who said, you're probably going to have to wait about an hour if you, if you want McDonald's. And they were like, no, no, I wouldn't queue five minutes for a McDonald's. Thank you very much. I don't particularly like it. I'm not a massive fan of fast food. Um, I have my little things that I kind of uh, I enjoy. Uh, but McDonald's isn't one of them. Bread's too sweet. Burgers are too soggy. It never looks like it never looks like you know when you get the adverts for McDonald's and there's this perfect tower of bun and burger and lettuce and tomato and salad. And I'm a bit of a burger connoisseur. Anybody that knows me knows I love a burger. And the advert makes it look so teasing, so tempting, so luscious, doesn't it? And you think, oh, I want one of those. So you go and get your McDonald's. And they're giving it in this styrofoam box. It's like fast food funerals. It's like a little fast food coffin, isn't it? And you open the lid, and this thing looks like it's been trodden on every single time. It's not what's in the picture. I mean, if you were, if you were going to buy a brand new car, and the advert of the car made it look fantastic, and then you got to the showroom, and what they wheeled out for you looked like it had been through a crusher, you'd have words, wouldn't you? You'd have words. But these things, it's always the same. McDonald's, they always come out looking like they've been sat on by someone massive. Splat! Right? And who wants that? And the chips are awful. Chips taste like cardboard. And I think I've chewed better cardboard, to be honest with you. But they were, they were queuing. They were queuing. It was like an hour. And they were queuing outside the shops three hours long. What's the matter with you people? If you've not got lives? I was going to say you should get out more, but you can't do that, can you? Um... So yeah, guys, do you know what? Don't don't bother with the shops. You you don't need this stuff. You know, you're you're only gonna get in there, get annoyed, come home and complain about being in the shops. Why do that to yourself? Go for a walk in nature, go in the woods, go on, go to the coast, go and have a walk on the sand, go and do something fun, nice, go and get a ball, whatever it is. Stop hanging around shops, weirdos. Guess what, everybody? The footy's back this week! 
<laughs> As I'm recording this, it's Wednesday. Um, and we've got two games starting tonight. The Premier League kicks off again. Uh, and the Merseyside derby is this Sunday, which I'm really, really excited. And it's Sunday night at 7 o'clock, 7pm on a Sunday, which is really unusual, isn't it? Obviously, it's because of the lockdown. We've got to squeeze the rest of those games in. Um, but yeah, we could be. I'm a Liverpool supporter. I might have mentioned this before. We could be Premier League champions by next Wednesday evening. I think we, we play we play Everton on Sunday night. We play Crystal Palace uh, the following Wednesday. And if we win both those games, we're champions. First time winners of the Premier League. Honestly, Jurgen Klopp deserves a knighthood, as far as I'm concerned, for, for what he's done for that club. Uh, and long may he continue. Two more wins. We can go to Manchester City as champions and really rub the noses in it. Sorry if there's any City supporters out there. Um, sorry to any Man United supporters. You just need all everybody's sympathy at the moment because you're rubbish. Um, I, look, I can, hear, I can hear the voices shouting back now at the moment. Stop, stop. We've had our years of going through it ourselves. It swings and roundabouts, isn't it? You know what it's like. It's, it's waves. It's up and down. Um, and now it looks like it's our turn. And let's hope it continues to be our turn. But I'm so excited, so looking forward to it. But the one thing that kind of is going to make it a, a bit weird is when, and it's not when, it's not if, it's not it's it's when, isn't it, when we lift the title, because we only need two wins out of our remaining, what, 10 games. We're not going to lose every game, are we? You know, and even if we if we drew every game, we still makes us champions. Anyway, that's by the by. Um, but when we get to lift the trophy, that moment when we've secured enough points and the and the title is ours, we're gonna raise it into an into an empty stadium, and that's gonna be a bit heartbreaking, isn't it? I never thought that that's how this year was gonna pan out in terms of football. You know, when you have when we have at the moment a twenty five point lead, and everything's looking completely rosy. I was really expecting us to lift that trophy to roaring crowds and, and the city of Liverpool and the local areas. Just being completely overjoyed and in the streets and partying and just going completely wild. And I've got a suspicion there's actually going to be some of that going on, even though we, sh we shouldn't be. No more than six people in a garden, don't forget. If you go to the toilet, go on your own. Like, who needs help? Um, <laughs> let's not go there. But... Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take well it won't take the shine off it. It won't. It's gonna be a little bit unusual and it's gonna be a bit weird. But every one of you Liverpool supporters that would have been in the stands in Stanley Park, you know, in the streets in Matthew Street, you know, up and down the front, around the Albert Dock, celebrating and cheering and singing songs and getting drunk, we're all gonna be doing that. We are all gonna be doing that anyway. I'll make my apologies to anybody that's expecting me to do any work next Thursday if we've won two games back to back because I'm going to be, I'm going to be completely out of it. You know these things come along few and far between. Um, you know there's 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 been few and far reasons to celebrate recently. So this is going to be one that we're absolutely going to go for, but we're still going to be out there as as real football fans, as real supporters. You know, we're going to be in front of our tellies. We're going to be maybe, you know, out in our gardens, wheeling our tellies into, you know, onto the onto the porches and stuff like that. You know, we'll have it on the radios. We'll have it on our tablets. Wherever we are, we're going to be celebrating. We're going to be cheering. We're going to be shouting our, our favourite players' names. And we're going to be there every step of the way. 
and when finally we can get together and get back into stadiums and parks and congregate, we're going to have the biggest party. As I'm recording our little show today, I'm actually uh, I'm actually eating a pear because I'm because I'm hungry, and it makes a change. A lot of people sort of like do these podcasts, drinking a glass of wine, and if I could, I would give half a chance. You never know. One day I might do this podcast late at night with a with a glass of wine and just see just see what comes out. But no, no. Today I'm eating a pear, and it's beautiful. It's fresh. It's ripe. But I do something that. Um, a lot of you are probably going to find a little bit unusual, I suppose, and some of you are going to be completely on board with, and that is, I eat my fruit with a knife. Now, not bananas, not grapes, that's ridiculous, but like things like pears and apples, the harder fruit. I like I like a pairing knife, I like a fruit knife, and I bought myself a beautiful one in the week. It's um, wooden-handled, it's like walnut-handled knife on a steel blade, and it's German steel. And I can hear all you people from Sheffield now completely bawling and shouting me down, but, you know, it's a lovely, lovely thing. Um, and it's sharp as anything, and it's only a matter of time before I end up sort of, like, s- slicing into myself. But, you know, you, you, if you're getting a new knife, you've got to christen it at some point, haven't you? Um, and I do, I just like it. I like the I like the feel of it. I like the feel of... of um, just taking slices of, of a piece of fruit and eating them. Um, and I think it came from the fact that I used to watch my granddad doing it. Now, my granddad has been has been passed away for, what, 33 years now. Um, but it's one of my memories. He was going around to his house, and he'd sit in his chair. He had, it's back in the days when, you know, the, the man of the house would have the chair. It's like, you know, that's that's his chair. And he would, he would have his chair with his side table. He'd have his um, cigarettes on there and his and his ashtray, and he'd have a, a little box, a little money box, which I actually own now. Uh, he used to he used to keep his money in it. I don't have any, so I don't keep I don't keep money in it. I keep all the little knickknacks. There's actually there's a deck of cards in it and um, and a poker chip, <laughs> as it happens. Um, but he'd have a little fruit knife on his table, and and he'd have every now and again he'd have a you know an, an apple or a pear or something like that, and it would just sit maybe watching the racing on the telly and just slice slices of his apple with this little sharp knife. And he used to just sit and watch. I thought it was probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It was just a very sort of cool thing to do was just take a slice and eat it. And what you do is if you have your fruit in your left hand, if you're right-handed, you have your fruit in your left hand, you take a slice of fruit with your knife, but then you hold, it's hard to explain, but the piece that you slice off is then sat on the blade with your thumb and it's sort of held in place with your thumb. So you slice through, you just hold it there and then you just lift it to your mouth and eat it. Like that. And it's a lovely thing to do. And I think it's cool. <laughs> you probably think I'm an idiot. But I don't care, it's nice, I enjoy it. So yeah, have you got any funny quirks? Anything unusual you do with food? I know we've talked about this in other episodes. And I don't mean putting sort of like weird sauces onto stuff. We've had that conversation, haven't we? I'm the one that likes chocolate and crisps together. And I still contend it's a really lovely taste. But anything you do unusual, 
anything you do with, with cutlery or glasses, anything like that. I mean, for example, other than the knife, I'm right-handed, but I eat left-handed. Because I can't see the point of putting, if you're right-handed, putting the fork in your left hand. That's the one that does all the work. That makes no sense in my head. Why, why would you eat that way around? So, yeah. So, I, I eat technically left-handed, even though I would contend that that is the, the, the most comfortable way to eat. But, hey. So, if you've got any thoughts like that, if you've got any sort of, like, silly ideas, uh, send them in to me. Uh, tales from a homeworker at Outlook.com. I was chatting with a um, friend and listener uh, to the podcast this week. Um, we, were, we were chatting on an app backwards and forwards, and we were talking about uh, the podcast. And and she's she's now started a podcast herself. And we were talking about you know recording and what it sounds like and stuff like that. And I know some people have said said to me, "The, the guitars are too loud," and we've had to have a little bit of a play around with that. Um, but she said something really quite interesting, which no one had ever said to me before, and I don't know whether you'll agree with this or whether she, you think she's she's talking nonsense, but she said, you sound like Ricky Wilson at the Kaiser Chiefs. I thought, I wish she had Ricky Wilson's bank account. But do I? Do I sound like that? Now, this is one of those weird things, because my voice, really, I suppose, as good or bad as it might be, and you'll all have your own interpretation of that, has, has pretty much been my stock in trade since I've uh, began working. I worked for a long time in, in finance and in call centers. And this is who you are. You know, when, when all you are is the voice at the end of a phone, how you come across um, in that call is it's really important. So how I sound and my voice has is, is, is always been, you know, something that's been important to me. Um, and, and to these days, now I'm a I'm a I'm a trainer, and I go out on the road and I deliver training for a, for a charity. Um, and again, it's part of it's part and parcel of of the delivery of the topic. Um, a friend, a colleague who I used to work with, said to me once they were thinking of getting into training themselves, and they said, "What's what's the key to it? What what do you need to know?" And he probably was expecting me to say, "Well, you've got to know your knowledge. You know, you've got to, you've got to have, you know, you've got to know your topics inside out. You've got to know, you know, educational bits and pieces. Maybe you'll need a qualification, and which is all completely genuine. It's all true. You do need to know that stuff." But I said to him, "There's one key ingredient to to delivering training, delivering education, and that is performance. It's got to be engaging." You could have all the knowledge, you could have all the skills, you could have studied for three years on how to teach and do your session plans and da-da-da, but if you get in front of a classroom and you're dull as dishwater, no one's going to listen to you. So I said, it's got to be, you've got to think of it like a performance when you get out there, when you get onto your stage and you're talking about your particular topic, you've got to have a little bit of something about you in your voice. Um, which I think, I mean, I still hold to that and I think that's completely true. Um, but my, because I've worked in different places over the years and, and different call centers, it's mean it means I've I've engaged with a lot of different people from a lot of different areas, spoken to a lot of different people from a lot of different areas, and it's really kind of I think messed my accent up now. So I am from the northwest. For those of you that that listen to this locally, you'll you'll know I'm from a place called Ellesmere Port, which is just south of the Mersey. We we sit on the banks of the Mersey. 
um, from our town, we can, we can look across the water, we'll see Liverpool, the Liverpool skyline. So we're on that same great river. Um, so there is a Merseyside accent that goes that goes through here. Um, and a lot of people around here sound sound really, really scouse. They sound really like they're from Liverpool. Um, I have a twang of that. And I think depending on who I'm talking to and what I'm saying, you'll, you'll, you'll get little twangs of that now and again. But it's, it's not thick Merseyside. Particularly if I go into Liverpool, people say, don't you talk, Pash? <laughs> I don't. Um, but there's a bit of Cheshire in there mixed up with it. There's a little bit of the West Midlands, because we're right on the border of the West Midlands, really, where we are. We're in a very strange place. There's a little bit of hint of Welsh that gets thrown in there as well, because we're right on the North Wales border. So there's that um, Northern Lancashire Scouse Welsh sort of um, midland sort of mix going on um, with my accents, and I picked them all up. The one thing you probably didn't expect to hear, and you will get this from, from, from time to time, if you're listening to this podcast, you will go, is he from Newcastle? I spent, I worked in a place once. It was a, it was a financial place. Uh, do you know what? For the life of me, I can't remember the name of it now. Couldn't have been that important. But I spent two years, and after two years, you'd think I would remember, wouldn't you? But it was a long time ago. Um, and we were all divided up into geographical areas, and the, the the team that I was based on, our geographical area was the northeast of England. So I spent two years talking to Geordies. Um, on top of that, I'm also, and I watch this every year. It's there's some stuff that I'll watch once and I'll never go back to, it, and there's some stuff that I'll that I'll watch maybe once every couple of years, dip into it now and again. But there's one particular series that I watch religiously, year after year and that's how Vida's aim pet you might remember it it's about the the team of uh, builders and, and bricklayers um and many of them were from the northeast of england they were they were, they were from newcastle um and they, they go to germany and they go on the different adventures and stuff and it's a fantastic piece of television it's brilliant and it's it's very you know uh, for its time the original series is very very you know apt for its time you know, unemployed people, you know, leaving leaving home to try and find work elsewhere. It's fantastic. It's funny. It's brilliant. Um, but it's chock full of Geordie accents. So I'm mixing with the fact that I spent two years on this team speaking to Geordies and the fact that I watch um, this, this TV show on a regular basis, I've kind of picked up every now and again, you'll get a little bit of a twang, a bit of a, a cadence, a bit of a, a weird pronunciation of things that you think is definitely, definitely Northeast. Um, and I quite like it to be honest. It's a lovely, lovely accent. It's like the Scottish accent. It's it's lilting and it's lyrical, um, and it just has a kind of natural sort of rhythm to it, which which I find really, really nice and easy to listen to. Um, so yeah. So what that does that affect you? Does anybody out there have? You know, you're really proud of your regional accents. Does it does it change? Does it does it alter? Um, Give me your thoughts. Give me your ideas. You know where I am. Tells from a homeworker at Outlook.com. I've been playing poker for a few years now, and I really enjoy it. And I know some people will, will get a little bit sniffy about it and go, oh, you're a gambler, you're into gambling. I'm not. I'm not at all. Don't have any gambling apps. Don't do the GGs. Don't don't bet on football. Um, I don't do anything else, really, other than play poker. Now, for me, poker, and particularly the game that, that I play, which is uh, Texas Hold'em poker, 
for anybody that's ever played poker, you'll know very quickly that it's not a game of chance. And often it's not the cards that you're playing as you would do in, in say, uh, a blackjack game or, or, or something like that. You're playing people. And I suppose this kind of ties into the psychological aspect of, the, you know, that kind of stuff that I'm into. It's about reading people. It's about reading their their tells, those little signs of body language that they, that they give off, which will often hint at whether they've got a really good or bad hand. And it's knowing the difference, and it's knowing those, those little signs, those little tells, what gives it away. There's one I now I, I, I sometimes will dabble with uh, a, a poker app. I'll play on an app. I'll play on my phone. Play on my tablet. Whatever. But I prefer the real thing. Actually, getting round a table with my friends. We'll have a beer or two. It's a social thing. That's that's one of the great things about it. It's men and particularly men. It is all men. It's it's we're not we're not excluding women from the game. But it is you know my circle of friends. It is all men that play. And I'm, and I'm. Let's get this right here before anybody starts complaining. I am more than happy to play with women. And I've played with some absolutely fantastic female poker players, and there's some absolutely amazing ones out there. It just so happens that that my circle of friends are, that the play poker are interested in doing it are all male. So there's that bonding aspect. It's one of the few occasions where a group of men like us can get together and just converse, other than sort of like going to the pub, you know, which is the usual thing. Um, you know, it, it's it's great for doing that. And in these times of lockdown, I mean, this is this is this has been the struggle. We haven't been able to do this. So, lads, if you're listening, soon as as soon as we can, we're playing. Um, but we gather around a table, and I've got a poker table, and a few of us have got poker tables. Um, and it's that feel of the bays. It's being sat around the table. Um, it's the feel of, of the green bays under your hands. You know, it's the dealing of the cards. Now, I've got a fascination with playing cards anyway. I, I do collect playing cards a little bit, so I've got some really beautiful ones um, and, and some that have been pre-used decks from, from well-known casinos in like, like Las Vegas. Um, so they're just lovely little collector's items. Um, but what I'd like to play with is is a deck of cards from a company called Bicycle. Now, my bikes are the, the best playing cards in the world. They just have that... that tactile texture that feel to them you know when you shuffle when you deal when you hold them in your hands when you dealt your two cards face down and you lift them up it's just got that that bend that texture to them and they're beautiful beautiful things each playing card is a is a work of art so there's there's that aspect of it we've got the poker chips the click of the chips when we you know we're when you're putting your money in the table and we're going round or playing against each other. And it's just it's just something that's always really, really fascinating me. And it's something I really enjoy doing. And yeah, I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, I very rarely do I come last. And there's a few of my friends out there, and you know who I'm talking about here, that will, yeah, you come last a far few, a few too many times, boys. Um but no, I, I, I'm generally up there in the in the top three. Occasionally come out as winner. And that's nice. We do chuck a little bit of money at the, in the uh, in the pot at the beginning just to to spice things up. Not a lot, just enough to make it interesting. No, we're not. No one's going to uh, break the bank by the sort of games that that we play. But it's a lovely thing to do. As I say, it's communal and it's and it gathers us round. 
um, and we play and we chat and we laugh and we do silly voices across the table and sometimes it gets silly and sometimes it gets really serious um, but I absolutely love it and maybe like I said I'm looking forward to the day when, when lockdown ends and we can gather back around the poker table and play again And that, dear listeners, is that for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Um, Please do catch us again next week where we will be on Double Figures, episode 10. As always, if you've got any questions, queries, stories, confessions, I particularly want to hear your confessions, uh, do write them in to me at talesfromahomeworker at outlook.com. And if, uh, if I like them, I'll read them out. Uh, So, yeah, once again, thank you for listening. Big shout out to everybody. Much love. See you again next week. Bye.